the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's the weirdest day of all. You know what I mean? The one before Thanksgiving. You go into these office buildings, there's nobody there. Security guards drunk, hats on crooked. Right? No, it's listening to the radio. Poor Misty, you know, I have her, you know, put all the clips, and I think I'm going to do a regular show. The reality is no one's listening. I mean, who's listening? What are you doing? You got to get ready for those creeps you call a family to come over. Yeah, I mean, so I'm reading uh, on the Drudge Report, you know, 55 million people are traveling. 55 million people. And I found a guy, found a guy who's either a curmudgeon and brilliant or just a crackpot you don't want at Thanksgiving. Did you hear about this guy? His name's Thomas, Tom Hawkins. He's 82 years old, right? So he's, they're more work when they come to the house and they're like 82 and above or like Bernie Sanders. It's not like fun when they come over. You got a cater at him like you're a nurse, right? And he's, uh, he tells his family, you know, I'm really worried about the environment, climate. He's in California. His family's in Minnesota. I'm not flying. And I tell you what, I recommend you people stop flying too to come and visit me. So he's either an off-the-hinge Daryl Hannah eco-Nazi and you don't want to be around him anyway. Or he can't stand his family and found the perfect excuse where he's got that fake virtue. You know, it's for the environment. I really don't want to be around you, idiots. I mean, people. And, you know, it's just great. So this is the, that holiday where I can remember in the Obama years when Obama first got elected. And it was like all the, all the conservatives back then when they were conservatives were really upset that they were going to have to deal with their communist relatives. They didn't know what they were going to do. There was like they were having seminars you know, how are you going to possibly handle it? So we had, you know, eight years of practice of how to commingle with each other by avoiding the political conversation. And I'm wondering, I think personally, in this climate this year, it's going to be harder than ever. You know, that's the part, you know, you sound like a never Trumper. I am, listen, I'm, I'm loving every minute of this because if we don't have this guy, we got these crazy socialists. So... I'll take the lesser of two evils, the better choice of, you know, uh, collectivism. I'll take it. And I am fearful for what happens in the event he loses. I really am. So, you know, after yesterday's show, I was, you know, Trumponomics, only because it's wrong. And I was, uh, <laughs> you know, I was beating it up and I got a lot of, what are you, another Trump? You know, people don't understand. I don't ever want to live under statism. And that's why I fight it even when Republicans do it. So I don't, you know, that's my whole thing. Because those Obama years were terrible. I'm sorry, they were. After they jammed the Obamacare, you know, the one that's still around our necks, after they jammed it down our throat as we watched ourselves just really go hardcore into a country that was so divided and so driven by the agenda of, of, of these politicians controlling our lives. And if you're, you know, if you're like me, I'm 
I'm old, for God's sakes. Look fantastic. But anyway, I'm old. And, uh, you know, I remember a time when politics was small in the family, right? You go over, it's about the family, it's about seeing. It seems like for the last decade, it's over with. You know, it's now you're actually, there are people out there that are dreading going home because they're going to have to encounter relatives that have an opposite view, and it's going to be a fight and an argument. I'm wondering, I'm lucky in my, in, in my family because I married into a family of, of Union Democrats who now are Republicans. It's great. They've converted. Now, I don't know if that's because the Republicans became Union Democrats or the Democrats saw they were wrong. I, I kind of think it's that, the first part. But, um, you know, you, you just get find a way to get along, and it's right. You talk about the men in costumes, how the bears do. You know, you do all that nonsense. And the reality is, I am so terrified of the year when the, who we see as the Democrat Party is in charge of things. I'm telling you, it's terrible. And that's why my reaction and when people say, oh, what are you, a never-Trumper? I'm mad at the idea they're opening the door for these people. Because as you learn and you listen and you look at the failures that are calling themselves Democrats today, you realize once they are in charge, it is a totalitarian nightmare of oppression. Not the kind where all your, your college relatives are going to make you feel like you're a part of because the pilgrims killed the Indians and all those, that nonsense. But the real kind where it's you know, inundated in every part of your life. And as, as we get older, I'm thinking, where, where do we want these people in charge of anything? And the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden thing, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that this guy's still, not only is he in the race, he's technically in the lead. And it's just mind-boggling that this guy's in the lead. I got I to gotta, I gotta play this clip. To be commander-in-chief of the United States, it's a sacred duty. Are you listening? The next president is going to face enormous challenges of picking up the pieces of American foreign policy. We need a leader who can't on day one. He can't even complete the words like a Trump. Our allies, know them by their first names, and have them know there'll be no question about the word of the next president of the United States. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. Yeah, and I don't know where my car's parked. I mean, it's ridiculous to me that we see these people that potentially could be in charge of our political system in America. And then you think, well, there's going to be that generation underneath. Because the reality is this generation that we see, these old people, Elizabeth Warren, Bloomberg, and, you know, even our side. This is the baby boomer generation. This is the generation that did the most devastation to this country in the history of America. I'm sorry. I, I, I have to say it. We all know World War II, right? They fought World War II. They were considered the greatest generation. Well, they were terrible parents because what they did is create these hybrid communists that we call the baby boomers. And look at what you people have done. I mean, if you look at the baby boomers and you see from the time they started to get elected to office and you look at things that you can coordinate directly with them taking office, like the debt, the spending, the, the strength of government after they're in control versus prior to them being in control, you can only come to the conclusion of, the hell did you people do the wars i mean never before as a as a mass group done so much to destroy the liberty at the same time not all of them 
because also those people are involved for the good things, the things to be thankful for, right? The Internet. And you could argue, I mean, Al Gore was a baby boomer. He said he invented it. Okay, who might argue with the vice president, right? So it's such a, a, a complex but simplistic thing. Complexity is they've done a lot of good things, right? For instance, uh, they're our parents, right? Good, good things. But the, the overarching need that they had to control their neighbors, to control things, to lie, and to build upon this, this position in America where all you really have as you listen, and I listen to some news, I listen to some talk shows, even though I don't make it long. This is a propaganda war, man. And as I'm listening to the, to the so-called conservatives lie through their teeth like they were selling Bernie Madoff's investment house versus the socialists' refusal to recognize what fascists, what dictators they long to be. And the one who proves my point is this Camilla Harris. Don't discount. I mean, listen, I don't think she's going to win. But she's going to be around. And her philosophy is shared. This is the one thing, whether they're old or they're young in the Democrat Party, the philosophy they share of control is something I've never thought I would see in this country as I grew up and learned about America versus the rest of the world. But I want you to listen to this clip very carefully because this went on. And I didn't hear anybody talk about it. And I know what they're doing and I know their business model. So my plan as a candidate for president on the issue of drug prices is as follows. We are going to set drug prices based on fair market. Would you believe this? So essentially what we're going to do, and visit the website if you, if you will, and if not, we'll get you some documents. Yeah. Um, but essentially what we're going to do is set drug prices so that American consumers are charged a price for drugs that's the average price that's being charged around the globe. And we're gonna, and there's a huge difference. Insulin being an example. It's the imaginary fair. The other fair. thing is this: if people don't want to cooperate with that, I'm also gonna do the next thing, which is this: a lot of drugs, prescription medication, was born out of federal funding for the research and development of that drug. Same words. Your taxpayer dollars. So for any drug where they failed to pay by our rules. And if that drug came about because of federal funding for what's called R&D, research and development, I will snatch their patent. What? You'll do what? So that we will take over. Oh. And yes, we can do that. You can? Yes. Yes, yes we, we can. can. Do that. Yes, we can do that. It's, what, it's the question is, do you have the will to do it? Hmm. I have the will to do it. And I believe her. I believe she has the will to do it. So it's always about the same word salad that they use. And, it, and this is the left or right. This is why when a politician uses the word fair, what's coming next is quite unfair. Because it's about their individual idea. That's why when they throw this word around, fair. What's fair about this? And I'll tell you another scumbag thing politicians do. She says they use tax dollars for R&D. She doesn't mean we give them money. She means we let them keep theirs in tax exemptions because when a company uses their money for research and development, they don't pay taxes on it. So notice the, the mindset, how everything is theirs. Everything is theirs, and what's yours is what they let you keep. 
It is that is to be afraid of. So when people say, "Are you a never Trumper?" When you criticize, when Trump uses the word "fair," no, I'm an anti-statist. Is what I am, and I'm also very thankful on a Thanksgiving holiday that Donald Trump, who I very often disagree with economically, is the guy in the White House versus one of these absolute and total Marxists. That's what I'm thankful for. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. We'll take your calls when we get back. So apparently someone was on the phone to tell me, no, people are listening, you do have fans, and then they hung up during the commercial. See? You're proving my point. All right, let's go to the phone lines. 312-642-5600. Jim, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you, buddy? Great, Sean. Hey, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of your staff. You guys are great. You're oh. a great radio station, I'm telling you. They are great. You know and well, they the, love me yeah, and the, hate everyone else. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Well, the, <laughs> despite that, they are, they're still great. You know, the thing, yeah. the thing is, Sean, you know, we got these, uh, you know, the the only time that we have a say in it is, is until we get to the primary in a, in a major election like that. You know, for, for, uh, if you don't get your guy in, you got to go for It's a binary choice. Yeah. And, it's, and if you're going to sit on your hands and not vote, then you're voting for the enemy. You know, it comes down to that. I was a Ted Cruz guy. You know, I, I, I support him wholeheartedly. I slammed Trump. I went after Trump whole. I mean, and I tried to feed mm-hmm. him into the dirt before the primary. Once he was the the, the nominee, it said, it, it is, what am I going to have? Here's my Hillary? problem with that. No, Jim, I, I, listen, and that's to be thankful, right? I agree. Listen, on, on, on fact of binary choice and, and, you know, support when it's that I agree to a point. My problem is then isn't it our obligation as voters, as people who were dragged to that binary choice, isn't it our obligation to rather than do the thing that we're being asked to do by media that are favoritism, have favoritism to Trump, to just shut up and sit there and just go along with it, isn't it really your obligation to argue against where you disagree with? And I think about this from the other side of the coin. That's how I always like to look at something. What happened to the Democrat Party? How did the Democrat Party become this, the Soviet socialists? And it was because they did what the modern-day Republicans are asking us to do. They stopped criticizing their own. They stopped trying to change their own. And they went from John F. Kennedy, who, buddy, let me tell you something, Jim. If John F. Kennedy were alive today, he would be the Ronald Reagan compared to what we have as, as Republicans, and, and specifically Donald Trump. He would be Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I, he, I was, he wasn't for all this nonsense with the spending and the debt and the, and the control. So look at what happened to the Democrats. Now look at what's happened to we, the, the so-called Republicans. Look at where we're at. You remember how I, I played that, well, that Camilla Harris using the word fair. What have you heard for the last three years? Fair, fair trade, fair, fair debt, fair monetary policies, fair, fair, fair. That word is something to be afraid of. And all I think is, 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 is guys like me and you, we got one job, and that's to correct where we disagree, not sit in the car and shut up. We're not nine-year-olds on the way to St. Louis. This is about us fighting where we disagree because we're fighting about those principles. Right? I mean, that's what but it is the, to me. But the, but the thing is, is this, Sean, that, is that I understand that. The thing is, is that 
you could do that uh, off on a website, you know, like on the, on the, you know, in the uh, blogs or whatever. When you're on the radio, right, mm-hmm. and you're, you're given a golden opportunity. We're fighting 97%. What, what was it? 95, 97% of the media is left. Would you agree to that or no? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, well, I, I, well, well, I'd then, say 100% right, right. So because the, land the ones who say they're conservative so, so, are left. Right, so Trump is getting lambasted. But he's... And, and Trump has, has far exceeded, far, far exceeded anybody that I would have thought that I would have gotten voted in there. You know what really? I mean? Really? Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, I think, has done good. He, there's limitations to what he can do. When you got a, a, a Ryan... What did they do? What did no, they do? I, you and I, first of years? all, Jim, you and the I. House, what did the House do? They what spent did the money. House do they for did the nothing. First two years? They did nothing and they spent exactly. money. So you and I agree. What can, what can Trump but here's, do, vote on? What can Trump do when the House does nothing? He can have principles. And here's what I mean, Jim. And I appreciate it. And you and I agree far more than we disagree. But this is what, when I grew up, this is a Republican. Here in America, as we reflect on the many things we have to be grateful for, we should take a moment to recognize that one of the key factors behind our nation's great prosperity is the open trade policy that allows the American people to freely exchange goods and services with free people around the world. The freedom to trade is not a new issue for America. In 1776, our founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence, charging the British with a number of offenses, among them, and I quote, cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, end quote. Sounds like And that same year, a Scottish economist named Adam Smith launched another revolution with a book entitled The Wealth of Nations, which exposed for all time the folly of protectionism. Over the past 200 years, not only has the argument against tariffs and trade barriers won nearly universal agreement among economists, but it has also proven itself in the real world where we have seen free trading nations prosper while protectionist countries fall behind. So from that, we are now to this. And why can only be one answer. The members of that party, of that constituent, the voters, let it happen. So I don't think I'm attacking Trump. I think I'm fighting for the principles. I like Trump. Listen, what's not to like? He's, he's great. He's funny, right? Hangs around. He seems like he'd be great to pal around with. He's got his own plane. This is all good stuff. So it's not that I don't like him. I like him. But isn't it our job as conservatives to say, you know, aren't we spending a lot? That you just did another continuing resolution? Aren't we? I mean, to me, it's our job. It's very simple. Repo market's getting, we're funding quantitative easing overnight. Nobody cares, right? The skullduggery going on on Wall Street, which we should be yelling at, we point to as a vision of success. The, the, and, and to Jim's point, the lack of, of, of help with the socialist implementation of universal health care in the form, in its infancy, of Obamacare is now drowning us. To where, once again, we are backed into the Hobson's choice. How do you want You want to get shot or you want to get stabbed? I mean, this is the whole thing. I still don't know what the Republicans' point is, position, on what are you going to do to take our health care costs to where they were prior to Obama? Can you, do you even remember what it was like before that? Or are you just so browbeat you're willing to take more of it? See, that's where I think we are. We just are so far away from those, those fundamentals that now this seems like a good idea. And the thing to always remember is human beings are flawed. 
that clip of Alan Dershowitz talking about the king and the power that I played yesterday, that is some scary stuff, man. And I don't care if you voted for a guy because it's a binary choice. We're Americans, and we, we are supposed to be a republic, and they are supposed to work for us. Not this idea. We are just subjects, and they decide what we can do and what we can keep. Because then you're just arguing over pressure points versus the principles. And that's what I want to get back to. The principles, that's all. Maybe it's a fool's errand, right? Maybe I should just jump on. Sorry, but take my lumps. 312-642-5600. See the answer. Now, your official weather forecast from the one-hour heating and air conditioning weather center. Partly cloudy and breezy overnight with a low of 28. Thanksgiving Day into Thursday night, mostly cloudy skies. The high Thursday, 39. The low Thursday night, 34. Friday, cloudy with a little rain late in the afternoon. The high, 41. I'm Drew Shannon on AM560, The Answer. Get the latest weather, traffic, and news updates online at 560theanswer.com. Time now for the AM560 Opinion Express poll question. Do you think President Trump should have intervened in the Eddie Gallagher Navy SEAL case or left it to military justice? Vote online at 560theanswer.com. This hourly segment is brought to you by AM Woodland Outdoor Design, luxury outdoor living. AMWoodland.com. See this headline, kid? Hunter Biden. Suspected of smoking crack in a D.C. strip club in the VIP room. Well, I mean, if you're going to smoke crack, you should probably be in the VIP room. Security worker Ranko Petovich, another Russian, right? One of those Valer Adidas suits walking around. I'm security. There's your Russian collusion. There was a smell of burning styrofoam in the VIP room. We told him, hey, nothing illegal can go on here. After all, there are strippers walking around. We didn't see anything illegal. After we spoke to him, the smell stopped. Hmm. Look at that. Hunter spent thousands and thousands of dollars in Archibald's VIP room. Archibald's. See, when I was young, you know, the dollhouse, crazy horse, heavenly bodies. That's what you name a strip joint. Who goes to a strip joint named Archibald's? It's just, just very weird. All right. John, thanks for calling the show. How are you? You know, you're like a modern-day Shakespeare. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank All right? you. <laughs> a, thousand years, a thousand years from now, okay, they're not going to remember your beautiful words. They're just going to remember those goofy highlights in your hair. That's no, no, I have no highlights. It's gray, <laughs> baby. You're the second guy that you accused me of that. Go ahead. You know what's a shame, okay, oh. is that you think of, uh, you, you, I mean, you're saying it perfectly. It, it's our fault, okay? You think of the lady when Franklin came out, she asked, what, time, what type of government we got? Yeah. Well, you got a republic if you can keep it. Well, we haven't kept it. And it's, and it's listed to the clapping seals on both sides at the rallies. John, it drives and, and me it's, nuts, uh, man. It drives goofy, me nuts. Goofy. The people don't want liberty, Sean. They have no idea. You know what a real crying shame is? Huh. Is that the Declaration of Independence is not the law of the land. Because there's a beautiful sentence in there, a gorgeous sentence, all right? Mm -hmm. When the government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. Now, I'm driving a truck, and I know that. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> well, you can never be congressman. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's amazing. 
It's amazing. And you know what I it's laugh too, John? When they, when I was a kid, you know, you, you, they would say, I'll, I'll put their hand on the Bible, their other one in the air, and they would swear to uphold the Constitution. And the minute they got in office, they undermined it. And we are at this position now where it's, I'm, I'm as afraid of the, the people who are bearing allegiance or swearing allegiance to Trump as I was to the ones who are doing it to Obama. And the sim- one in- yeah. John, they're one and the same. There's no difference between the propaganda machine churns on both ends. And I'll tell you why. This is a very, listen to most of the callers that call, okay? Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? You know what they should do? You know what they should do? I remember when yeah. that guy shot up that theater yeah. uh, for the Black Knight movie. Uh-huh. I, I came into work, and the guys are talking about, you know, they should do this, they should do that. I said, listen to yourselves. Who's they? Like I said, yeah. said, what? I said, who do you think they is? Look at how freely you give up your liberty. Yeah. That's how people are nowadays on both sides. It's over. Smith and Wesson, baby. That's my <laughs> All right, John, I appreciate it. That's a good call, see? It's a good call. And then, you know, I get the people who I love. Listen, and that's the other thing. I'm very thankful for you, the people listening. I am. Even the ones that disagree with me, even the fry cook from yesterday. Cut them a break. But they send me information from the right, right? These right sites and their sites and they're obscure and they're, they're vile in nature. And, I, you know, I try to say, look, you do realize these networks are, are, are made up and they have an agenda to also, and I'm looking for the paperwork. I think the one is, um, uh, what is it? The True Network. Did you hear about this network? True Network. The guy was given um, White House press credentials from the Trump administration, and he interviewed Donald Jr., which I, I got to tell you something. I feel bad for, for like his kids that have to go out and, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to help their dad, right? So they go out and they talk to this guy, and this guy's name is, um, what the hell is his name? I got to find his name. But anyway, uh on, during the website, he does Donald Trump one night, and the next night, his name is Wills, right? Willis? Wills? Wills. Reese Wills. Listen to, listen to what this guy says. That's the way the Jews work. They're de- <laughs> they are deceivers. Are you kidding? They, they plot. They lie. They do whatever they have to do to accomplish their political agenda. This impeached Trump movement is a Jew coup. And the American people better wake up to it really fast because this thing is moving now towards a vote in the House and then a trial in the Senate. We could have a trial by before Christmas. This country could be in civil war at Christmas time. True. This is true news. This is a right. You know, this is like where you get all the articles that are very pro the the Trump agenda. It's a it, what do you call it? A, a, a Jew coup. I'm almost mad I'm not Jewish because I would name my boat the Juku. I love that. Are you nuts? Listen to the crack pottery. Uh, it's crack pottery. All right, let's go to Bonnie. Thanks for t- calling the show. How are you, Bonnie? Would you like a ride on the Juku? You know, go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't even want to go there. All right, go ahead. I did want to make two points, however. One was that we'll never get to the pricing that we had pre-Affordable Care Act. For a very simple reason, all insurance is based on risk, which is based on underwriting. And if you eliminate the evaluation of pre-existing conditions, it's no longer insurance. It's something else. And, 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 and I don't think the political will exists to ever say 
all right, we, we ought to incorporate pre-existing conditions again. I don't think we'll well, but, but, but Bonnie, Bonnie, isn't the pre-existing condition <laughs> called life? Uh, nobody gets out alive. You're talking to a bunch of people and listening. We're all dead men walking. It's, insurance to me is a scam. It's an absolute and complete fraud from the conception. I told you, three bookies in Texas came up with this scheme. There's no, there's no question in my mind. And what we're going to sell is fake security and fake safety to well, people who are terrified of the inevitable. What's that? You'd, you'd, get a, you'd get a health evaluation. They'd understand your health history, yeah. where you were a diabetic, et cetera, et cetera. And so certain things, you wouldn't be covered for those conditions, so you're only really halfway insured. Of course not. Now they're supposed to insure you for everything, apart from whether or not you're a physical basket case. Yeah, exactly. And, you could, and, and then how could you add those was people? Never designed to, to, to no. function in that way. How could you have no restrictions? Um, that was one point I wanted to make. I had another point. All right. Do you have <laughs> it? it? Was, yes. <laughs> it, it, it goes back to your, your key point about free trade. Theoretically, I agree with you. Fundamentally, I do not, because China is not a fair trade partner, and they are eating our lunch. Oh, boy. <sighs> yes, they are. Okay. And it won't be long before they eclipse us as a superpower. Mm-hmm. And I understand all the economic arguments about supply chain disruptions and looking for the best price in the marketplace. I understand all those things. Mm-hmm. But we have a problem where we're not producing anything anymore, and we're buying everything from that, China. Then you, you, should blame, be, you should blame the root of that problem, which is the labor extortion business called unions and the corruption oh, yeah. in our government yeah. that makes sure you yeah. can't circumvent them. But listen, I do have to take a break, Bonnie. I so enjoyed your call. It was so nice, and even though I disagree, I love the intellectual level of it. We're going to discuss those issues, and we're going to take your calls when we get back, 312-642-5600, because these are important talking points that I'm going to spit on when we get back. Thank you so much. All right. I love these talking points. You know why? Because I feel like I never really played t-ball, because when I was a kid, you played stickball. We call it strike them out. But now, you know, they softened it up for the pansies that are our kids. Put the ball on the tee. And, you know. So this must be what it's like when you know you can hit the home run. Okay. So people have a very big misunderstanding because it's, it's based on what they're being chanted. It's chanting that they keep hearing these talking points. China is eating our lunch. When the reality is we've been eating theirs. And they've been so benefiting the life of the ordinary American that we don't realize it anymore. When I was a kid, there was no such thing as Walmart. I didn't know what the hell a Walmart was. You know that? I had no idea. Or other stores, Target, that didn't exist. And jeans were $40. I'm not kidding you. I'm going back to the 70s. Jeans were $40. Now, I remember that because I didn't have any. I remember that. No, really. We had to save for that stuff. I didn't have any money. You think I'm one of these Pritzkers? No, no, no. Kidding me? Anyway, what happens is 1975, One of the rare things that absolute moron Nixon did well was open up trade with the Asian Pacific countries. China, yes, but there were other ones, too. Everyone forgets about that. A lot of it can trace back to it started way before Nixon, and that was the fear of Vietnam. They were worried about trade even back then. A lot of French stuff going on. But anyway, he opens it up, opens up the trade, and at that time, 
It's not manipulated. We were taking advantage, strategically, I might add, of a communist country because back then fundamental economists understood the way you can take over a country or, or break up communism is twofold. You can go to war, which is what we were used to, or you can do it from within, which is what happened here in America. How do you do it from within is that you show the people what freedom and liberty capitalism is about. And you do that by putting them to work. Because you know how you make people uneasy? You show them how much how earning changes their life, the dignity that it gives them, and the possibilities that it opens up. So that was the strategy back then. So things were very tense between China and America. Nixon extended the olive branch, and look at what's happened. So many of your things in your house that you bought that are value to you, you bought at a reasonable rate. Prices not only came down, they stayed down and went lower. And what happened is Americans were opened up to products that they were formerly being extorted out of the value. They weren't setting the value. The value was set in conjunction. If you go back in time, the unions were very strong in the 70s. They were very interwoven with not just crime figures who liked to sip espresso and beat their wives up on the weekends, but they were involved with government. They were very involved in setting rules and regulations and laws that prevented competition. So they had a extortion on the market. Nixon accidentally, well, I, I don't think it was accidentally. I think he, he was very smart in what he did. Set the tone so that you would break the unions because now business people, think about how you import things, by the way. Think about how ridiculous it is that you can find something that American consumers are willing to buy and want to buy that they see as value. You can have it made in a foreign land and bring it over, pay those costs, the logistics and everything, still sell it at a profit. And the American guy who has to pay all of the extortion taxes, workman's comp, all the social security taxes, get shaken down by the union, give the meathead business agent's nephew $40 an hour to sit on a chair and break it, right? A lot of these chair breakers. And in the meantime, the, pro the production of the American product sank drastically in the industries that the unions became very strong in. That's why they had to protect American industries by putting up barriers and taxes so that you couldn't get the most value. So they, they're not eating our lunch. They're delivering us value. And we are, in fact, spurring capitalism and freedom in China. And that's what they call Hong Kong, because that's where most of the trade was out of. And that's why we were winning that war, and we were delivering value. The greatest thing to destroy communism is freedom. That's what Nixon understood. That's what Reagan understood. That's what capitalism is. That's what everybody used to understand, but now we don't. Now, superpower. They're going to overtake us as a superpower. True and not true. We gave it away being a superpower. We gave it away by the very same guy, Nixon, who took us to a fiat currency where we could put ourselves in debt for 5,000 years. You're never going to pay it off. And now the answer isn't to fix that. China's not taking us out of being a superpower. Our moronic politicians are, and their ridiculous economic policies are. We've taken ourselves out. Nobody's killing America. It's committing suicide from bad policies. We had all the things on, on the table to win, and we're playing the wrong cards. That's why you got to advocate for the right policies. 
not the wrong ones. Protectionism ends like it always ends. Venezuela. 312-642-5600. You remember that song when I'm gone, boys and girls. That's right. It's going to feel empty without me. Kidding me? All right, let's go to phone lines. I love it when they hang on. Greg, thank you so much for hanging on. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you, Sean? Great. Thanks again. So we touched on a couple of things here, but let's let's look at let's look at a, a quick three quick three. Okay. All right. You, it's your duty, not you specifically. Every American citizen's duty to challenge any leader that's in office, whether they lean your way or lean the other way. That's the only way you keep them honest. Yeah. If I you want to be a clapping seal, prepare to get clubbed. Because that's the only way you're gonna. That's the only way you're gonna preserve yourself is if you stick up for yourself, you value your freedom, and you challenge people when in the arena of, of ideas like that. Right. That's the only thing I can say. I mean, anybody that says here. Well, you know why, Greg? You, you feel that way? Because you're from Illinois. How many times do we uh, hire Republicans that were gonna save us? Look at us. Well, look at this. Look at this fraud I saw the other day. I get an email from the place I bought my car from. You better hurry up and trade your car in. You know why? Taxes. You're going to get hit with higher taxes. The state's going to steal more money from you. <laughs> so yeah, better trade your car in now and buy another one. Uh-huh. The shell game never ends. No. It never ends. They're no. taking your freedom every single day, whether it's implicitly through these ridiculous taxes or these, or explicitly when you have people get killed on the streets of Chicago because you let off a murderer four years early. Yeah, and the last thing is about mm-hmm. about uh, global trade and all that. Mm-hmm. You know it's a scam when you have to hear somebody like uh, President Bush say, the second Bush say, we have to subsidize U.S. steel. We have to subsidize subsidize U.S. steel because we have to make it competitive. We are steel. We are the United States. Yeah. Our steel is better than any of the other crap that's being peddled out on the market. You know why we have to subsidize it? Because you got to pay somebody. You gotta pay a manager. You gotta pay a union guy. You gotta pay all these guys inflated salaries. That's it. That's why you gotta subsidize. We got for, the best stuff out there. Listen, I'm I'm a business person. I have a couple of companies. I'm for American business. The problem is, as a business person, as a business owner, the biggest problem with being in business is the American government that works constantly to regulate, control, and backdoor nationalize business. And then they deceive the people by wrapping a fake patriotism around supporting that that crime. And I'm sorry, when you are working with companies to prevent competition, that's a crime to me. And that's how I view it. And look at these industries, Greg, and look at how they don't want to ever relinquish the power that they have within them. They would rather send out propaganda messages and talking points to invoke a hatred of people that have, by the way, the Chinese trade has benefited the least among us. Look what it's done for the lower and middle classes. You know, I mean, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. And who gave that up is, is America. We gave it up. And now you're mad at them because they filled the void? You know, when the reality is you could fix it if you understood what your congressman was for. And no one talks about that anymore because it's better to hate blindly and follow than think outside of the box. And that's all I'm advocating for. The problem is, Greg, that's not a lot of people anymore that want to do that. 
And I hear it day in and day out. I mean, I played that Dershowitz clip. Greg, thank you, by the way, for calling. I really do appreciate it. And moreover, thank you for holding on, Greg. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. But I played this clip that yesterday, and I, I think it's telling. I'm going to play it again. All I'm saying is he has to show up. He used that word, and then she went nuts talking about how the president's not the king. Of course the president's not the king. The president's far more powerful than the king. The president has the power that kings uh, have never had. He's a very, very powerful office, and the framers wanted it that way. That's why they no, required they for impeachment very strict criteria to be met. I'm sorry, but that's not the truth. And a lot of people respect Alan Dershowitz. I respect Alan Dershowitz. A lot of people are going to hear that, and they're going to think that. And then they're going to turn over this power. And us, us, we're the, we're the last hope, man. You cannot, the Democrat Party, they are all in. They are all in. What we have facing us is Marxism. I don't want the only alternative to be collectivism. The problem is people forget what that is. Let's go to full lines. Tom, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you, buddy? Hi, Sean. Well, hey, I just want to uh, give you a shout-out or a hat tip. Um, oh, thank you. I listen to you. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to not be a cheerleader, not be a turd polisher, engage people in critical thinking. And based on some of the callers, they get that. And, I, you know, the fact and- that you're on uh, the network that you're on and you're after Sean Hannity, you're up against a brick wall. But I really admire what what you say, how you think, and your, your ability to try to do it on the station that you're on. Because, again, uh, well, the, the tide is against you, and I hope yeah. they give you a shot. You deserve yeah, it. Yeah, well, they, listen, they've been wonderful, and I wouldn't be here without them. And I, in particular, thank you, by the way, Tom. In particular, and I mean this, the management here has become so, they're, they're wonderful guys, and I consider them friends. I know what I'm doing is a, against the current kind of thing. I get it. But it doesn't matter because it's the Gregs and the Toms and the Bonnies and the, and the people that call. Because that's always the way. It's always only a third of us that make the world go around. It's a third of Americans fought the king and fought for the liberty I'm trying to fight for. It's probably less that want it now. And as you hear the people advocate for different, uh, different forms of their favorite kind of tyranny versus rejecting it all, I get it. And hey, you know, look, it's an election year. And I want, I need Trump to win again. I want that to happen because what's facing us is the thing about this is that like AOC. It's AOC. It's not that we deserve it because it's a handout. Can you turn her up a little? People like to say, oh, this is about free stuff. No, this is not about free stuff. We're working hard individuals. Public goods. Public goods. And as you hear the war on these companies that made your life so much better, do you not recognize, of course, if they're public goods, they'll fail. Look at the public goods that government pretends you have a right to. Look at the roads. You know, here's the thing. 55 million people driving. How many of you right now are on your way somewhere and you see those orange barriers out that have been out for two years and you never see a worker? Or when you do, you see three guys meandering around a truck, look, a truck looking for a Danish. How many times you see a guy working? What are you, nuts? They can't run anything. You want them to have more authority? 
Jeff Bezos, whether you love him or hate him, you better well appreciate him. You know what he's done for you? And this whole thing, he knocked mom and pops out. No, he didn't knock them out. The governments did. The municipalities, the counties, the federal government. That's who knocks out the small mom and pop. Not competition. We thrive on competition. We're Americans. All of a sudden, we're not starting to talk like them anymore. And if you think that the founders wanted the president to be a king like Dershowitz, let me tell you something. You're way, way, way wrong. Laura, thanks for calling the show. How are you? Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm good. Hey, I heard you say that nobody's listening. I'm like, what are you talking about? Everybody's listening to you. Say, there we go. Everybody. I got everybody. All right, good enough. Fair enough. I appreciate so, it. All right, so this is like totally off topic, but I just wonder what your point, what you think of this. I'm like, okay, so if we go to the Senate with this impeachment, how are these people that are running against Trump going to vote against, how is that not a conflict of interest? The people who are running against Trump. Oh, you yeah, mean the like senators? Well, of course. The senators, Listen, yeah. the whole thing is a con. That's but here's the thing, Laura. Isn't government supposed to be a conflict? I think that I said it before when this happened. I think this is a campaign fundraiser, and Trump will come out stronger versus weaker. This will backfire as long as well, yeah. as long as he's telling the truth, right? So as long as right. he's telling the truth, he'll be fine. You know, the, the answer isn't, I think that the, that the Republicans should have re- tried to impeach Obama, too. I don't mind the well, contentious government, because you want to know the truth, Laura, is when they get along, we get really buried. And that's exactly th- right. And that's can, what's been happening. They, so we're hoping that Trump is draining the swamp. But, you know, I'm just their biggest agenda. How people are going to come and vote against him and and. How come they don't have to recuse themselves? I just think. That's oh, well, because they make the rules. You know, why, could you imagine if if, if pickpockets made uh, uh, laws <laughs> on thievery? Come on, they make the rules. Why? Why do you think they keep their purse? They call it a, a what is it? A, a war chest. They keep it. Some of them are. They the, keep it. The, yeah, that's they keep right. it. Forever. Nobody knows that. Yeah, they keep yeah. it. They spend the money. Come on, you got a bunch of criminals making laws, calling themselves honorable. Yeah. Thank you, Laura, yeah. for calling the show. Okay. I, I do appreciate it. Oh, did I hang up on her? She was saying something. Damn it. I hate when I do that. Um, but she said something that, that I wanted to get to. And now I forgot because I was talking. Here, hold on. Let's go to Rob. Thank you so much for calling the show. How are you, Rob? Hey, Sean. How are you? Very good. Good. I called earlier and had to hang up. I had to get a kid to a basketball game. But I just called to say um, I wanted to wish you and uh, your crew, your family, and all the listeners out, out there, a very happy Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you. And uh, it's time of year to, to be grateful and to be thankful for what you have. That's I right. I was listening to your show yesterday when you were talking about that poor young woman that was murdered. Oh. And as that was happening, my son come home from college, and I'm like, geez, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. That's exactly and, right. Uh, it's just, that's the way it is. And the other thing, I tweeted a um, fossil video, and, and I I. I I tweeted it to you, and I know you're busy, and you may not have had a chance to check it out, but it's an unbelievably interesting video on African countries mm-hmm. and the bureaucracy there and how capitalism has no chance because of the bureaucracy. And the lady they were interviewing said, corruption is a natural consequence of bureaucracy. She's no, she was no scholar, and she was just a person that just thought this through. And all this all these rules and regulations and all this crap that we have put in front of us, corruption is bred out of that. Absolutely. And comes out of that. And it's every day. It's, it's, go ahead, go ahead. it's how you overthrow a free country. 
the greatest power that that government has is the weapon of law. Law was never intended to be used like this. That's why when Trump originally was going to pull, and he did pull a lot of reg, I'm like, hey, that's phenomenal. It's great. But when you implement one that overtakes that, you negated all of the good you did. So to me, when he seized control of foreign trade, it really didn't matter what he did to me with the regulations. It doesn't matter because he did it with a pen. That's the other beef I have with it. You did it with a pen so it can be undone with a pen. Look at where we are with this, with Obama and DACA. Well, how could a president write a law? He can't by the, by the founding papers, by the intent of the presidency. And we're not talking about that anymore. So now, 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 now that's precedent. And that's what's terrifying me. Because there will be, unfortunately, when one of these Democrat crackpots are in office. And now we, as, as so-called the opposition, we sat idly by. As, as a major macro policy, like trade, was seized by the White House. Never intended to be seized. It was a wartime. Obama blazed that trail. Well, no, it was, it was after World trail. War II, and the Congress ceded okay, okay. their, their, their authority because they didn't want to be blamed for anything, and they never yeah. took it back. And now here you have where, where a president who is a Republican can surround himself with Democrats like Mnuchin and Navarro, and look where we are. And now we're supposed to just because we're Republicans be quiet. And then how do we ever argue against debt as conservatives? When, when the so- socialists are in and they spend $17 trillion on housing, $110 trillion on, on health care, what are we going to say? Oh, don't spend? What did you do? You I sat heard, there. You know, so that's a, that's a problem. I heard Harris talk about the drug prices, and it was a, just a, a chill up my spine to think they're going to be in charge of who charges what for anything. These are, this, this is the largest group of non-doers of anything, and they're going to be in charge of the decision-making process. That's, that's why I'm thankful for what we got. I'm hopeful that we'll continue it. Thank you, by the way, for calling the show. And moreover, it's very important that once we're in these positions, we do the right thing. Because if we don't, then when, we, when the wrong thing is being done, we have to sit down and shut up, and I'm not really good at that. 312-642-5600. I'm- I'm Dan Proft. And I'm Amy Jacobson. And our 2019 Food for the Poor campaign is already underway, and you can be a part of it. For a gift of $25 per month for a year, or a one-time gift of $300, you can help feed a family of four for a year in Colombia. Now, these are families that have fled the socialist crisis in Venezuela and have made their way to Colombia. These Venezuelan families are starving and have nowhere else to go. Food for the Poor partners with local ministry and non-governmental organizations on the ground to get food to these families and children. Food for the Poor is a nonprofit, faith-based organization that provides food, water, medicine, clothing, and life-saving supplies directly to local organizations throughout the Caribbean and Latin America. Your gift of $300 may be the difference between life and death for a Venezuelan family. To make that gift, just call 844-862-4673. That's 844-862-4673. Or visit 560theanswer.com slash food. That's 560theanswer.com slash food. And if you're a small business owner or you make the marketing or advertising decisions for a business, then listen up. We're talking about our Food for the Poor Business Benefactor Program. Become a Food for the Poor Business Benefactor by making a $2,500 tax-deductible donation to Food for the Poor. When you do that, AM560 will give you 40 60-second commercials to air right here on AM560 The Answer between 5 a.m. and 8 p.m., Monday through Friday, at no additional cost to you. That's the best advertising deal in all of Chicago. To take advantage of this deal, 
Just call Anjanette Netkowski at 847-472-8951. Again, that's 847-472-8951. One more time, the number 847-472-8951. Or visit 560theanswer.com slash food. That's 560theanswer.com slash food. And thank you in advance for your generosity. AM 560, The Answer. Right. So we're mad at Chick-fil-A. I like Chick-fil-A. I gotta be mad at And you know what I love about us? We, we're so much different <laughs> than the socialists. Guess what the call is to do? Boycott. The infamous boycott. Why don't all you people who want to boycott, you don't go. Stop telling other people what to do. Boycott. Shut up. It's your boycotts. Verlan, thanks so much for calling the show. How are you? How you doing, brother? Wonderful. I just want to say to you, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Oh, You're the best. Keep on the keep up the good fight. Oh, thank you. And uh, every, every every subject you talked about today, you broke it down and explained it like nobody else could. And that's all I got to say. Now, 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 Verlon, thank you. Don't hang up. Thank you so much. Because here, I want to I want to let the people know you're my friend, and you come to the cigar store often. And I want you to. Am I any different? I was accused last night. I got you know. I get the tweets and all that. I was accused of being a fraud and a sellout, and I'm a Democrat. Am I any different in person? What? Am I any different in person than I am on radio? Can you? No, I'm gonna uh, tell you something about Sean. He greets you with a smile, a hug, and 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 he got the best personality when you walk into that shop. But when we go in that back, and you want to have some conversation about politics and reality. He gets into Sean from Elmwood Park <laughs> yeah. Mall, and he will let you have it. Yeah. He is no different in public than he is on the radio. And, and I, that's I, a guarantee. I took, last time we did it together, I took on you and Proft. That was a good one. Yeah. Is that a good one? Yeah, I, it was. See, I love the arguing. <laughs> that's what it's about. That's why I like these holidays. How could you not argue? I'm so looking forward to the arguments tomorrow. Because the reality is, when you're like us, and when you're arguing for absolute no control, and everybody you're arguing with wants to impose control, don't you say, I'm the only one fighting for freedom. I'm the only one fighting for real Americanism, free men, free property, and the absence of tyranny. Yet all I'm fighting, and, I, and you know what's funny, Verlan? I fight with both sides. I got some side that's a radical Democrat socialist, and I got the other side that used to be Democrat union guys and are Trumpkins now. And we're both going at it. And I say, wait a minute. Do you not see the similarities? You guys want to implement the same force over man. You have contempt for him. I just want the guy to be free. You're free to be an idiot and you're free to be Jeff Bezos. Because you know what? When we get people like you who are free and unencumbered to do things you find conscientious, how many people you take care of on a daily basis? How many people you take them to the bathroom and you help them? How many? Uh, 22 a night. Yeah. See? That's a blessing right there. Now, you're not going to discourage somebody else from implementing their choices and their freedom and their rights. Yet, these socialists that want to control health care, they don't think 22 is not enough. They want you to do 42. And they want you to do it under their, their vision. I'm so worried about the different visions of force. I have a real problem with it. But thank you, Verlan, for calling. You All right. Come back good, to that. See you later. Come back to that store <laughs> for another good argument. Thank you very much. We go at it, Neil Sir.
because he does it. You know, he, he listen, he's the best guy in the world and he wants to convince me to get on board. And I get that from a lot of people. Just get on board. And I say to myself, I am, especially when it's good. I do love, I do love when it's good. The macro stuff that's bad, that's the stuff that the, the Democrats are going to take over with. That's the stuff that's used against us. In these market crashes that inevitably happen when fraud goes on like what you're seeing, what does the socialists do? The Occupy Wall Street people, what do they do? They blame capitalism. When the irony is, that's not what did this. Capitalism didn't destroy the housing market. The Community Reinvestment Act did. It was the idea of government to manipulate and orchestrate homeownership that destroyed homeownership. And then rather than deal with it, they bailed it out. Who started it? Sure, you could blame Clinton. He just implemented it. It was started under Nixon. Carter ran away with it. Reagan put it on the back burner. The conscientious conservative fraud that he is. Bush won. Dummy with the, with the colored CIA guy. He orchestrated all of that manipulation. That was a, a compassionate conservatism, which is also code word for socialism. It's the same thing. We follow this rather than, than solve the problem. You want more American companies? It's very simple. Make it easier to be one. Make it easier to be one so you're not this hybrid slave to government that we've all become. Where they tell us how much of our money we can keep. Where they tell us how much of our, of our rights we can keep if we only follow their rules. So I am here on day two of Michael Bloomberg's $37 million ad buy. So why does she hate the ad buy when she's trying to raise money? Why does she hate the ad buy when she's there asking people to raise money to spend $37 million? I thought that it, they, they, it was about the absence of money in politics. Is she advocating for the absence of money? Or is she just using Michael Bloomberg, spending his own money to get elected? The Andrea Mitchell lookalike that he is. No one's going to vote for this guy. I love it. Burn the money up. Give it to the, to the media companies. Burn it up. No one's going to look at him and say, you know what I need? is Andrea Mitchell, without the wig, running things, telling me I can't drink a soda pop. I don't even say soda pop. I say pop from Chicago. But the idea, look at that, all about control. Who's, which tyrant do you want in charge of you? That's not America, baby. That's why we got to fight back to the Reagans. Got to fight back to the principles. Got to fight back to freedom. 312-642-5600. So I got the show's over. The other side of the cantina. I asked the guy why you so fly. He said, Funky Comadina. Remember when Misty was the weather girl? I mean, a uh, traffic girl? She had the best voice. Best laugh. Betty Rubble. This new one, though, I tell you what, I like it. Like a little couple Marlboros. It's when, when you're on a date with a girl like that, you get a flat tire, you tell her, honey, get out and change the tire. I got to make a phone call. All right, I'm in. Elizabeth, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? Oh, my God. I've never called a radio show before. Oh. I love it. It's not you, hard. You are, well, you are exceptional oh. and eclectic, and I love your show. I'm a Democrat. I don't agree with you on a lot of stuff, but you're entertaining and awesome, and I want to know what can we do to get you on every day. Um, we could buy a radio station and call it Interesting and Eclectic Radio. Tune in, I <laughs> dare you. That's what we could do. That's a great idea. All right, very idea. good. Well, you work on it. I love, when, I love when women call me. Normally women hate me. I spent a lot of years where they hated me. Thank you, Elizabeth. 
No, now I just have one that hates me, and I married her, and she could take half the assets. Not good. Speaking of assets, Hunter Biden's baby mama. Is that an official term we're using that in the headlines now? Hunter Biden's baby mama, London Roberts, was a stripper at a club he frequented. You see, I made fun of this club in Washington, D.C. Look at that. It's like the e-harmony of degenerates. You smoke crack. They dance for money. This is a this is nice. We start a whole new eHarmony for degenerates only. And you never know who you're gonna meet. The vice president's son. No, before this it was like an Uber driver was her target audience. Now look at her. No offense for you Uber drivers. I love you people. Bart, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? Hey, I'm always glad to talk to you. You do need to get on every day. Thank you. I brother. mean it's it's way better. You know, Hunter, the Hunter Biden's baby mama is going to be the name of my new punk band when I start one. Oh, but, that's uh, a great band name. Yeah, Hunter Biden's huh? baby mama. The Republicans will be coming to you. They'll skip Chick-fil-A, but they're coming by you. <laughs> so anyway, the thing I was going to say was that uh, it's safety versus liberty. And that's how they feel. Yeah, and you know something, Bart? They've been doing that to us, brother, for 100 years. What happened? We lose you know, oh. No, you know, you can cloak anything in safety, you know. Look at how far we've come to, to, to where we are so subservient to politicians. It's amazing. But it's for the children. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, how come they, <laughs> did you see the Chicago teachers? They use those poor little derelicts against yeah. us. And then uh, they get the, the contract signed, and the next biggest article, down by 6%. I mean, it's it, it's insane. I thought they were overcrowding. In the meantime, their very failure is chasing people out of Chicago of all incomes to where their biggest problem is they're losing little virtue shields to beat us over the heads with. That's the yeah, problem. We got to a, we got to a point where you could spill a cup of hot coffee in your lap and get a payday. You know, yeah. whereas hot coffee in your lap is God trying to tell you not to reproduce. You know, <laughs> I mean. What right. have we done? Yeah, we, we've what taken, have we done? We've taken lawyers, and we've taken them from that slip-and-fall industry where they said, hey, wait, did you burn yourself? Let me sue the dummy who gave you coffee, and somehow it won, and we made those guys lawmakers. You want to know why we're here? Whew. Problem is, it, 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 you know what I mean, Bart? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's not worse when you really think about it. Come on, it's Thanksgiving. I'm trying to be cheery, for God's sakes. All right, let me go to Jay. Thanks for calling the show. How are you, Jay? Uh, pretty good. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, we got you. Know, I got into it before about the housing uh, crisis, and you, your, your show was wrapping up, and we really couldn't get into it anymore. But uh, some of us out here will never forgive or ever forget that uh, ever. And uh, you know, I, I don't know with with you and other people on AM radio. Why has why it got to be one or the other? Why can't we, the people, be mad at both big government and big oh. corporations? That, I guess that's my direct what? question to you, Sean. Jay. Do you hear me argue against corporatism? That's why I said, you know, the, the, the kids from that, that Occupy Wall Street and the socialists took the failure of corrupt capitalism, which is called corporatism, when government works in conjunction with bad, bad players in, in right. business, and they corrupt the market. The, I'm not for that. I'm as against corporatism as the socialist thinks he's against capitalism. The problem in this country is we don't know what capitalism is anymore. So to you right. say, I am mad at both. How about the idea that no one went to jail for that? Not a well, person well, that's the thing went that, to jail. That, that gets me the most. And, and you know, I, I think, uh, I don't know, Joe Cassano is, is one person. The countrywide people, the Washington Mutual people, the whole, whole bunch of people were in on all kinds of stuff. 
and uh, they all should have been investigated. And no matter what anybody is, Democrat, Republican, you know, that was Obama coming in at that time. And I think that was one of his biggest failures. People should be in jail. It is a moral hazard situation, meaning the people out there listening right now, this is, this is probably going to happen again. Oh, it's going to happen. Shape or form. It's going to happen twice. Really and scares me. Jay, thanks for calling the show. It's going to happen twice as bad. Because what they did is they created a corporate debt problem. But let's not forget what we're mad at. We're mad because government insisted on the Community Reinvestment Act, which forced banks, forced them, back then there were 400 plus, forced them to give loans they wouldn't have given. And the way that they forced them is they corrupted the system by underwriting them themselves. That's how Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac exploded through the, through the, through the ceiling. That's how, that's how come we're in this position, because banks wouldn't do it, so they extorted the bank. If you want to be in business, you've got to stay in business. So you can be mad at both, because they're, they're both based on a lie. 312-642-5600. The answer. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. I still want to get into the Chick-fil-A story and the son on the bun. I haven't forgot about it. But i got to talk about that last call because it's really important. Can't we be mad at both when it comes to the calamity that we have not recovered from? I know that they want you to forget about it, the housing bubble, the manufactured, government-orchestrated housing calamity, that then all the bad players in it received all of our money again, not one penalty for it. Not only that, the new corporate debt and debt bubble that they've created so that talk show hosts from coast to coast can tell you how great things are, that's going to make the housing collapse look like an appetizer to the entree. But is that the fault of capitalism or corporatism? And the answer is corporatism. None of that is capitalism. None of what we live in right now is capitalism. It's not capitalism when we use tariff money to, fu- to bail out farmers and we make sure they get the money before Thanksgiving like we just did. That's not capitalism either. Subsidies, redistribution, those are all philosophies of the left, not the right, and at least it used to be. Now it is. Moreover, what creates that? And that is the forced participation in these things that government not only incentivizes, but sometimes orchestrates. So after the housing, like we were talking about, there were 400 banks, 500 banks, whatever it was. There were many, many banks. Since, since the housing problem, how many banks are there? Six? Eight, maybe? Maybe eight? So the, 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 the grasp of government in our monetary system, in our banking system, it, they use that, like Rahm Emanuel said, never use a, a, a calamity for anything but an advance in your, in your agenda. They use that to do it again. And that's why I argue against manipulated lending, against the, the, the repo market quantitative easing, against funding into bad debt. Because what you do when you force those interest rates low, you destroy the savers, the responsible people. You actually force pension funds, 401ks, retirement funds to take riskier, riskier positions, oftentimes in bad companies. So when you look at the expansion of our stock market, it's not on on companies that are growing. It's on companies that are growing their debt. And that's why before the 2008 collapse, corporate debt was at an astonishing 5 Point five trillion dollars. 
before the collapse. Venus, do you know what it is today? $15.5 trillion. Three times. And, ooh, the stock market's at record highs. Yeah, no kidding. Because they're, they're grabbing credit and, and it's appearing as success. When in the meantime, you bought off the job numbers. You bought them off. I got a friend of mine, Sure Staff. He's a, he's a, we grew up together. He's, a, he's the best guy in the world. Started years and years ago. He was the first one. Temp labor business. 1,500 positions open. 1,500 right now. I talked to him a little while. 1,500 positions open. He doesn't get people in because... They're, they have the jobs and they, they don't, you know, they, they're too busy. They're so employed, they're too busy. That's not why he's, he, he has the openings. He has the openings because they're so incentivized not to work that you've taken an entire generation, an entire class of tens of millions of people, and you've turned them into either students who are paid to not work, welfare recipients on one form or another who are not paid to work, or you created a lifestyle where people don't need to pay to earn money. When you're living on the dole. The one thing they never talk about is the mass expansion in Section 8 housing. It's three times the program it was before uh, 2008. How could that be if things were so good? It's not. It's not that good. That's why I loved the idea of Trump. He used to rail, rail against the the economic numbers of Obama. Railed against him. Fake. I'll never forget. He was doing an interview. Unemployment's 25, 35, 45%. It was bombastic. It was insane. But he was saying what we knew. That under that fraudulent system of the way they give you, they break up the employment number. They give the people the U3. Most people don't even know what the U6 is. Most people also don't know how they count it. How they're double counting government jobs, which are liabilities. The only one really growing are government-subsidized industries or government itself. Don't forget, when the government gives us a check, a subsidy, to one of these companies that has road work going on where you never see anybody working, and they go out and they hire, and they that's your pain for that. That's not real growth. That's subsidized growth. When government bureaucracies hire, that's not... Why does that count on an employment number as a positive when it should be a negative? How many taxpayers does it take to pay one government employee? 50? So how many jobs that are created should you minus 50 when you hire one government worker? See, there's a way to break this down to where it's reasonable. To where you're not just buying lines because they're repetitive in a cadence that's overwhelming. Reject the propaganda. Recognize talking points. I don't do talking points. None of this is talking points. I don't even write anything down. Because this, to me, is supposed to be a conversation about politics, its effect on our lives, positive and negative. It's not a lot of positive right now. A lot of negative. As your circle of liberty gets so small, it's a turtleneck. And that's the position they want it in. Used to be a hula hoop. Now, it's not whether you are a free man, it's whose slave you are. That's not what we do here. Three, one, two, oh, I, I'm, see, I need another hour. Damn it. But I will be back Monday Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Then I, then Illinois in an exile. I'm going to Florida to work. I had a really good time. You have a really good Thanksgiving. I'm thankful that you listened. I'm thankful for the opportunity that 560 AM The Answer gave me. And I will see you after the holiday.